Hello, story lovers. I'm Laurel McCarg, and you're listening to Alligator Preserves. If we have any Army-Navy fans out there today, this short story is for you. It's called Anchors Away, and this is my short story number 10. The anchors may be away, but don't you go away. The tagline of Anchors Away is... After the divorced wife of a renowned West Point brain surgeon defects to the rival's team, she finds an opportunity to reconsider her loyalties. Here's the story. It must have been hard letting him do that to your son. Steve tucked a stray curl behind my ear before nibbling on my neck. How was I supposed to stop him? He wanted to do it. I warned him of the potential danger, but he'd do anything for the good of the team. And sons don't listen to their moms, especially their divorced moms, when their daddy's a renowned brain surgeon. But the honor code... Hal has the general by the balls. It's not an issue. My ex-husband, Hal is a prominent brain surgeon. When the military academy made him an offer he couldn't refuse, he convinced me our move to West Point would be a no-brainer, an expression that quickly lost its humor, though he never tired of it. He'd wanted to attend West Point since he was a child, but when Johns Hopkins offered him a full ride to their medical program, he made the safer decision quote, the more mature decision, as his father put it, to become a surgeon. Working with cadets at the academy was the next best thing to attending, he frequently told me, though I knew, in his mind, it would never be close enough. Our first year there, the Army football team started winning against top-ranked teams, and after each victory, Hal would comment on how he ought to be paid more for his services. He never expounded when I asked why, but one time he said, Someday they'll recognize my contribution. After a couple of years, he couldn't keep his secret any longer. I've discovered a way to make the players respond brilliantly to every scenario on the field, he told me after another win, an arousing celebratory romp under the sheets. He wouldn't tell me the details, of course, but I knew it had to be some kind of brain manipulation. I started paying more attention to his preseason activities and noticed a slim notebook he'd hide between brain science manuals in our personal library. If you want to hide something, do it in plain sight. I'd learned that from watching too many Bond movies. And Hal wasn't one to keep things under lock and key. They're too perfect, I told him after another winning season at the Academy. You'll be found out. And then what? They already know, he told me, and it's too late now. If they start squawking, their heads will be on the chopping block, too. But not Ray... Please don't mess with our only child's brain, Hal. He's just a boy. He's not a child anymore, Anne. He's going to be a soldier. He's made his decision. 
I guess the stress over my constant belly aching finally got to him. Although the divorce wasn't contentious, I had to leave Hal and Ray, who was just starting his first year at West Point. Recruited for the Army football team, Ray believed he was invincible, and maybe with his father's help he would be. Hal pretended to be horrified after our divorce when I hooked up with a Navy guy, especially the right-hand man of the Naval Academy Director of Athletics, but it was his fault for involving me so thoroughly in the historic rivalry between the two teams. Steve began his seduction during the homecoming game our first year at West Point, and Hal was too intent on his project to notice. Upon the fields of friendly strife are sown the seeds that, upon other fields, on other days, will bear the fruits of victory. General Douglas MacArthur spoke those words decades ago, but I know he wouldn't have approved of what Hal was doing to up the odds of victory for the Army team. So, Annie, you'll find out how he does it? Steve worked his lips down my shoulder. It may not be easy, I said. Sure, we're on talking terms, but that doesn't mean he'll be inviting me back into his bed any time soon. Better not, Steve tickled me and pulled me on top of him. We might not have Mr. Pretentious in our hospital, but our man's capable. The Army team's going down this year. And speaking of going down... I pushed him away, but it was another half hour before he let me out of bed. I need to get on the road now. Training camp starts in two days, and I'm certain that's when he does the surgeries. Think about it. The players are all isolated. They're young and impressionable. A knot caught in my throat when I remembered my son had already gone under the knife, even though I trusted Hal's expertise unequivocally. And they'll obey any orders they're given. But how will you do it if they're isolated? Let me worry about that. You've watched the movies, right? The less you know. He tickled me again, and I slapped his hands away. Give me a couple of days. When I come back, you'll have what you need to even the odds this season. I dressed and threw my suitcase into the Jeep Grand Cherokee, my divorce gift to myself, and then allowed one more lingering kiss before heading out the door. Anchors away, Annie. I caught myself before responding with, Go Army, beat Navy. Old habits die hard. Wish me smooth sailing, I recovered quickly. It was weird being back in the massive old house on Washington Street at West Point, but Hal had agreed I could stay in the guest room any time I wanted to visit, and I missed our son terribly. Ray hadn't forgiven me for hooking up with the enemy, but a fleeting expression of sorrow over our broken family passed between us, and he let me hug him. So, you're a big sophomore now, I teased. We're called yearlings, Mom, he rolled his eyes. Nice haircut, I said, examining his head from every angle, looking for a scar. You won't find one, he said. Too conspicuous. He implants it through the nose. As if recalling a suppressed memory, Ray's nose twitched. Oh, that makes sense. I acted casually, as if I knew everything about the surgery. Hal evidently hadn't warned him about sharing. Did it hurt? 
Nah, just a finger prick for blood and a bit of skin from the roof of my mouth. Pretty ingenious, right? That's your father, all right. I wanted to know more. What did he do with those things, but didn't want to expose my ignorance? When will he be home? Probably pretty late. He's already prepping for the newbies. Gotta run. You here long? Just tonight, I'm afraid. Meeting in the city tomorrow. I'll be watching your first game, though. Can you get away for dinner? I'll try. Dad keeps the fridge pretty well stocked. Just don't mess with the second freezer. He'll be using those this week. Roger, Roger, I said, saluting my son. Wow, Mom, hanging with those squids is really messing with your mind, he said, though I saw him chuckle over the airplane reference as he walked out the door. I wasted no time running to the library, but the notebook was nowhere in sight, plain or otherwise, and I checked every dust-free shelf. He must have had it with him. To the freezer, then. Bingo! Inside were meticulously labeled styrofoam containers with each potential new player's name and sample collection date. There must have been twenty. I took one from the back and opened it. Inside, a microchip, a tiny vial of blood, and a sliver of skin. I removed the chip and returned the rest to where I'd found it. I'd need to find the notebook after Hal returned. After a civil dinner, Ray brought a few of his teammates over for a quick meal before saying goodbye again. Hal retired to the library and told me to make myself at home. I can't say we'd lost our physical attraction to one another. The tension between us was delicious. But he'd made his decision, and that was that. I came up with a lame excuse for going to bed early and waited till his footsteps passed my door later that night. I let another hour pass, just to be safe, and tiptoed back to the library with my cell phone flashlight to find the notebook. It was nowhere on the bookshelves, though. Thwarted again, I considered sneaking into his room, figuring he must keep it with him this close to surgery week. In my haste to leave the room, my heart was pounding in my ears. I almost missed it. Sitting smack dab on his desk in a neat stack of books and papers was the notebook. It didn't take long to snap photos of the pages outlining the procedure, and I was back in bed with everything I needed to return to Annapolis the next morning. Time was of the essence, as they say, because the new midshipmen were starting their training too. Steve would be pleasantly surprised by my speedy return— though I couldn't take much credit for my detective work. Hal seemed disappointed when I told him I'd be leaving after breakfast. I knew what a stressful week it would be for him, and I almost considered staying. But no, I had important things to accomplish, too. An hour down the road, I set up at a coffee shop. I'm a pro at Photoshop, and all I had to alter was the word cadet whenever it preceded the word blood on the procedure pages. Piece of cake. I finished and took my work to the nearest printer. I was back at Steve's place by dinner. Monkey blood? He asked after poring over the documents with coding for the chip and detailed procedures for how the chip, encased in a sliver of cadet skin and a drop of their blood, 
is then inserted into the brain via the nasal passage. The biomaterial would ensure secure bonding with brain tissue, and the blood, according to Hal's notes, would interact with coding in the chip, enhancing the cadet's natural abilities tenfold. I wasn't sure how the monkey blood would interact, but I was fairly confident it wouldn't cause any undue harm to players on the Navy team. Yeah, weird, right? There's a lab in the city where you can get it. I think it's the key to keeping the players pumped. You've seen how it works for the Army team. I guess so, he said, though he still looked perplexed. I'll get these to our surgeon and tech team tomorrow morning. They'll be ecstatic. Great job, Annie. How's your son doing? He's a man now. It was nice of Steve to ask about Ray, but I wasn't going to share anything personal about him or how I believed he didn't need me anymore. Oh, and he did tell me one more thing about the procedure. Seems that until there's an actual game, behavior can be a bit unpredictable. Everything kicks in at the start of the first game, though, and players become unstoppable. At least that's what he's observed. Should make for an exciting season, then. He held me close and tickled my ribs. I waited until after I knew the Naval Academy surgeon had completed his procedures before disappearing. A friend in New Zealand invited me to stay for as long as I wanted. Navy's homecoming game was a disaster. I watched on satellite TV and laughed my ass off at the action unfolding on the field. The Navy players were all over the place and frequently stopped in the middle of a play to beat their chests. A couple of times, players removed their helmets to pick through crew cuts with their fingers. They lost horribly, and what was even funnier was when the camera captured reactions of the coach and staff members of the athletic department. To say they appeared dumbfounded would be an understatement. Army's homecoming was a success, of course, though one player was off his game. By the time the Army-Navy game rolled around, word had gotten out that nefarious activities had been afoot behind the scenes. Military investigators kept a low profile until after the fields of friendly strife were cleared, Army defeating Navy soundly in another hilarious show of force against their baboon-like opponents. And then it was all over. In the hubbub of higher echelon restructuring and litigation, honor boards at both academies exonerated cadets of their complicity in the scam. I'll always disagree with their decision because it's common knowledge that a cadet will not lie, cheat, steal, or tolerate those who do. And they knew they were cheating. As for me, I think I just might find a little place here in New Zealand and stay forever. With the money the NFL deposited into an anonymous account, I don't have to worry about my future. And someday... When the scandal is forgotten, I'll reach out to my son again. And maybe when Hal gets out of jail, he'll join me. He may be pretentious, but at least he knows I hate being called Annie, and I hate being tickled even more.
And like him, I believe I've demonstrated that I'd do anything for the good of the army team, too. Some old habits never die. <laughs> that ends my story, Anchors Away. And by the way, do you know how away is spelled in Anchors Away? I bet you don't. And I'm not even going to tell you. You're going to have to look it up yourselves. And if you're wondering how I got my inspiration for this short story, this bizarre short story, I wrote this for another contest I entered in which I had to write something in a spy genre, and there had to be a brain surgeon character and a divorce somewhere in the story. So that was my inspiration. If you are a newcomer to Alligator Preserves, or if this is the first of my short stories you've listened to, welcome and thank you for visiting. And I hope you'll check out my previous nine short stories. They're all quite different. Some are rather dark. Some are comical. And I produce one unique short story every month. Pretty soon I'll be putting together a compilation and I will publish it. And I will also acknowledge my Patreon supporters. So if you're interested in becoming a patron of my work, I hope you might consider it. Go to patreon.com slash alligator preserves and check out the rewards you'll receive if you become one of my patrons. If you liked this short story and other of my short stories and other regular episodes that I do, please go ahead and click that like button and leave me a comment if you're so inclined. And I just have to end this short story with an old habit that dies really, really hard. Go Army! Beat Navy! (laughs) Yes, I have gray blood. (laughs) Until next time, be good to yourselves. Bye.